0: Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. The, this, has been a sh- this has been fucking shit, this campaign so far, but it's sprung into life in the last couple of days. The Greens are in flying Flying out records flicking through the vinyls going like the cost of living crisis is that, you know, (laughs) how is a family of four going to afford a triple gatefold best of pavement vinyl set in this economy? (laughs) It is getting harder and harder to put a 40 years of flying nun coffee table book in the homes of regular New Zealanders.
2: Teneko koutou katoa. this is gone by lunchtime, it's one month, one month till polling day, one month until you nestle yourself into that like cardboard manufactured booth and put a tick, two ticks, in little circles of democracy, are you guys, um, uh, Kiara, ora Annabelle, Lee Mather, kia Kiara, Ben Thomas, are you guys vote on the day voters, like do you feel that's quite a sacrosanct thing? No, I. You're advanced voting.
0: I, I've intended to do that the last two elections when they've really been pushing advanced voting as an option. Um, and I just, I can't contain myself. I just love democracy too much.
2: So you do it on the first day of advanced voting? Not,
0: not the first day. I try and hold out, but then us- usually I break. So I think uh, somewhere in the second week.
2: I love democracy so much that I feel I have to do it on polling day, Annabelle.
1: It's got to be on polling day. Get a uh, sticker, it's, otherwise, it's like, like opening sticker. your. Christmas presents before Christmas. But just, yeah, to, like me, a VIP. just to be a real dick, um, I also take my children with me mm-hmm. because the research shows that if you come from a whanau where your parents don't vote, that that you're probably not yeah. going to vote either. So I've, we take our kids along in the hope that um, instead of repelling them, that it actually makes them feel comfortable going to vote. Once
2: again, this podcast strays dangerously into the territory of parenting advice. Mm-hmm. The other things, the dogs at polling booths are like that. We're going to go really hard on that this year on the website. Nice. Just like hundreds and maybe thousands of dogs, pictures of dogs at polling booths. Send them to us, not to me personally, but to info at We're just going to put them on the website. We're just going to have an absolute festival of dogs at polling booths. Can I say one more thing just before we get into it? Policy.nz is back. It's so great. I genuinely love this project um, that the team put together where you can compare policies, you can compare candidates as well. It's it's re- it's n- none of this kind of weird juju makeup, put yourself on a matrix mm. nonsense. It's a very mm. useful way of comparing policies and I urge you all to look at it. Thank you, Sam, for producing today. What are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about... I did write down what we're going to talk about. Oh, the energy in the campaigns, <laughs> slightly greater than the energy <laughs> the in this podcast so far. <laughs> uh, um, maybe, maybe the debates a bit, the the pre prefu the pre-foo, a bit about the pre-foo. Um, uh, and uh, the breaking news about Winston Peters on indigeneity.
1: Revelations,
2: it's yeah. we'll come to that. Mm. Let's first talk about the, the polls, two TV polls in the last few days. And you know they're really bad for Labour and Chris Hipkins because you start seeing – you actually literally start seeing people talking about landlines on, on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> it's a absolute tell. And, um,
0: and Chris Hipkins last week, the man who's been Prime Minister for nine months, said – well, the campaign's only just started and, and I think people Say have got a, to get to know me. Saying, <laughs>
2: Which, saying that, saying that on every, every day. The camp, soon the campaign will start, <laughs> he says, <laughs> on October the 13th. <laughs> <laughs> um, Annabelle, the, Chris Hipkins also said... After the polls he said I accept responsibility and he said there is a mood for change and I, I swear when I heard that I thought have I woken up on October the 15th these are the wo- these are the words of concession speech almost but he 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 says actually I can be the change I am the change that the moment calls for Which seems quite a stretch is there a chance that there is are we in are we in saving the furniture mode now
1: well, um what do you mean by saving the furniture mode?
2: Well, it's like—is that who's the line? Was that it was about Mike Moore? The idea, I think, that coming in to lead the Labor Party, um, and it wasn't a the matter house of is trying to down. win. It mm-hmm. was a, a question of trying to keep, 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 keep what you can keep. So, like, trying to mitigate damage.
1: But what do you mean by that? Like, are we talking about we're trying to save X amount of people on the list, or we're trying to save these policies from?
0: Getting Try,
2: trying to avoid a catastrophe, I mm. guess. Yeah, yeah. Be-
0: because there are real, there are knock-on effects to a devastating loss, and and the first one is that you lose. You don't. You don't get any new MPs unless you've constructed mm. your list very deliberately. Labor hasn't. Mm. Labor have constructed their list in a way that they will are likely to lose a lot of ministers uh, if they, you know, in the the case of a bad result or the, on the current polling. Um, and, and so if you start losing both, you know, experienced people will retire depending on how dire it is. So if you don't, if you don't get people in who've got experience, you basically have a bunch of electorate MPs who were either not slated for great things or, you know, sort of never were or, you know, kind of has beens. Um, and they have very few resources in Parliament because the number of MPs you have determines how much funding you get from Parliamentary Services, how many how much how many staff you can hire, and so it can it can really have a knock on effect into the next three years. Um, you know, say the difference between twenty five percent and thirty percent, even though both mean that you're roundly out of power. So yeah. yeah, I think you're right in terms of the policies, in terms of saving, say fairer pay agreements. Saving the furniture, I think, is down to that level of literally just kind of making sure that you've got somebody who somebody who remembers how to run mm. a caucus meeting or something. Yeah, mm.
1: I think um, I don't think Labor are looking to lose. Well, I think mm. it's important we remember that politicians have Teflon coated egos, and and it's amazing the level of self belief they have that there's a there's a chance that they could win. So I, I do think
2: yeah, it's a that, nece- that, necessary that, absolutely, trick you yeah. yourself. Yeah. I
1: do think um that Hipkins thinks that that um that they have a chance to take it out. And to be fair, when you look at the number of um undecided voters in a lot of these polls, it's not beyond the realms of possibility right. that the left could form a government. I think what the polling shows though, and you know, those of you who know me will know that I'm really sick of polls and I think they're overused, is that polls have this effect of like slowly, slowly, and all at once in terms of things like a mood for change. And I mm. feel like the more polling that's done, the quicker the mood changes. We've seen like a slow erosion of Labor's support, but actually held up pretty well c- considering the amount of drama and scandals yeah. that they've endured. And then over the last weeks, it's like slipped really suddenly. But that slip also coincides with the amount of polling that's being done where we're looking at kind of two, three polls a week. Mm. So I think that, you know, again, it, it, it's a sign of the level of influence that just polling itself can have in an election.
0: It, it certainly does look like, you know, they just fell off a cliff about sort of three weeks or three or four weeks ago. Mm. Um, all of the polls taken in the last uh, three weeks, I think every poll except Talbot Mills has shown Labour in the twenties, and Talbot Mills has had them at thirty. So it, it was, yeah, you know, like you said, quite quite sudden. Mm-hmm. Um, and then now, then you have people throwing around words like "death spiral," which is certainly meant to be, you know, a reflection of that kind of self-fulfilling nature. Um, it, it is interesting because it does it does seem on most of the polls that there's that there's the centre right block, you know, ACT and National, have got an advantage. Now the real wrinkle or the real, I guess, point of interest is: does New Zealand first get over five percent, and more than that, does it get over five percent by taking votes from National or ACT? Mm. Because they've been over five percent, I think. Again, in in most of the polls... And
2: two of the three that we've seen this week. I yeah, think,
0: two of yeah. the three this week, but I think there's only about one poll left where they... I think the taxpayers' union, they've been over the 5% as well, um, and then they slipped back. So there are a number of polls that have shown them over 5%, but only two of them, and I think it's only the Guardian ones have shown them as holding the balance of power. Yeah. So the, uh, my, this is my understanding from national strategists is that they're quite confident that so far the support is just coming from coming off Labor to New Zealand first. Now, if that trend continues, I think National Enact will be pretty happy with that. They'd probably prefer not to have New Zealand first in Parliament because, mm-hmm. of course, they get more of a benefit from a wasted vote than the than Labor does. On the other hand, as long as it doesn't endanger their ability to create a majority, it's sort of yeah, make live with it.
2: But look, if if, if New Zealand first get over the five percent, then it changes the calculus in terms of you know if they get four point nine. Then oh, that, that vote is—I know this is not literally true—but in, in, in practice, really, that that vote is shared out.
0: That's right, and, and so national, and so, three of those, you know, that's like it's worth three or that, four yeah.
2: seats, and it could be the difference between sixty-five seats and sixty-one seats. Yeah, yeah
0: you know, and absolutely. sixty-one
2: out of one hundred and twenty doesn't really fill you with confidence when you know, you, you, you know, we—I mean, we don't know what some of the. What happened? You know, we've seen it always happens—the Gaurav Sharma type situations, those sorts of things—and so it does add some stability risk to a to a government.
0: Yeah, I mean, ACT have been doing a very accelerated evolutionary survival of the fittest (laughs) process on their list, losing five candidates in in about a month, which, you know, I mean, obviously, not never great news for a campaign. Mm. On the other hand you know, better now than in a month's time, I suppose. So, um, you know, I mean, it's it's really, you know, I think, you know, this certainly won't be thanking them now, but, you know, David Seymour might be thanking the news media sort of after the election for the work they've done, sort of uncovering some of the cranks on that list.
1: It it could be an interesting situation if that's how the cards fall, where it's, it's 61 to the right block, because then what happens? They've all ruled out working with... Te party Māori, mm. So who who do they sidle up next to to create a a government that is is going to be stable enough to survive the Guraf Shamas and those sorts of situations? Could we end up with a hung parliament?
2: Could do, could do, or or, or maybe maybe in that situation, uh, Winston Peters would be vindicated once again in tr- introducing the waka jumping. Legislation because those had, you know no defectors. Well, seriously, right? You can see. Def- anyway, anyway. Hey, back to the campaign trail. Um, Christopher Luxon. I I don't know about you guys, but I'm watching the 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 campaign trail part of it. You know, the shaking hands, the small talk, the dressing up as a pirate. <laughs> he's been he's been smashing it. He's been astonishingly good at that. I think because I, I mean I couldn't do that. You know, like it's not a natural thing, and it's the first time that I've really seen. When people have said over the "Arts, he's got a lot of John Key in him. He's a natural. He's just he's beaming. I mean, obviously the poll numbers are going quite well, mm. so there is a sense of a self fulfilling prophecy coming in there. On the other hand, there's the interviews, the media stand ups, the Q and like QA on Sunday, which was a lot of Q and Almost no A on the part of <laughs> on the part of Luxon. Just didn't just just doesn't answer questions that he finds difficult. And then again the stand ups this week in relation to the foreign buyer property tax and whether it have effect on the housing market. He was asked by that by News Hub yesterday. And then the bigger one on the revenue it's gonna pull in. Is that pressure mounting, do you reckon, Annabelle? I mean, I, I I, think there's a confidence often in these sorts of things from strategists that it feels all blurry and people are talking about numbers. This morning, though, we had three economists um, from across the spectrum, Sam Warburton, CoreLogix, Nick Goodall and Michael Riddell, who's formerly of the Reserve Bank and certainly not a Labour Party stourge. Coming out with these numbers, saying there's 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 there's, there's like two, uh, two two billion missing across four years, half a billion a year, and mm. this and you
0: know trying to crunch these numbers. They, they said if you really stretch it, you can probably get to about twenty five percent of what Nationals Right, are banking
2: Yeah, on. right, yeah. right, and and so 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 do you? T- t- I guess the question in a way is, does that spill through into the public consciousness at some point?
1: Well, you know, because we're in the early days of the campaign, we are in baby kissing mode and that, which makes Luxon look good because he's doing well in the polls, and that makes you feel swaggy and great and wonderful. But like you say, where he comes unstuck is when he comes under hard questioning. And in the next few weeks, as all of the, the leaders' debates kick off across the various platforms, I think we're really going to see um, his vulnerabilities in terms of his lack of experience in politics. He doesn't have the, the agility to answer questions convincingly at the moment and I think you know it is going to be trouble for him in the next few weeks because I think the good the good the good mood the vibes can only carry you so far particularly as people do feel the stress of the cost of living and you know what there does seem to be a bit of a pattern with him and Willis of magical thinking in terms of some of their um you know their their finance and economics and and those types of issues where, you know, we we're talking about controlling inflation just with through the power of our minds and those sorts of things. So, I I think that all of Labor's hopes are going to be carried by Hipkins being able to outperform him mm. in those leadership um, debates. How many? swing voters watch them um that's another question because you know there may not be enough of a critical mass of, of swing voters or undecided voters who actually tune in and have that impact the
2: way
0: they
1: vote
2: yeah uh, Richard Preble was in the Herald this week saying that they could be decisive um which was interesting,
0: interesting well, uh, if him. everyone's trying to jostle for underdog status in yeah, advance yeah, yeah, so yesterday true. Luxon said <laughs> They said, you know, look, Chris Hipkins is a champion debater. The best debater in the the parliament. Maybe probably the best debater in New Zealand. I've never been in a debate. I I lose to my wife. I I don't don't even know. I don't even know. What do you mean, debate? How do you debate? What? You say something? I say something? Does the ball go in the hoop? What? Oh, pool. I've never played pool. And then, (laughs) And then today, Deborah Russell, the Minister of Revenue. Turned up from their their, their, obviously Labour's deep deep dives into Luxon, a a rough photocopy of the Christchurch Boys High yearbook showing uh, the the Southland old boys debating prize given to one C M Luxon. Mm. So he's. He's playing oh, Parson. Yeah. He's playing he's Flo- Floyd totally, Patterson Peekaboo. He's totally like He's reeling in his prey. <laughs> Which way do I hold this? <laughs> you know, and then oh. suddenly under the leg around yeah. the <laughs> door. Boom, 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 boom. He, he was setting up to hustle Chippy <laughs> at the debate. <laughs> he was, he was going to go, like, after the first break, he was like, wow, you're really good at debating, Chris. I mean, do you want to like, <laughs> maybe bet $10 on the next segment? <laughs> <laughs> like, and then he's going to go, mm,
2: how many, uh, do you know, do you do you, know, do you know how many digits I can do pi? I mean, he's just <laughs> going to knock it off to like six hundred. I
0: love it. I love the idea of Luxon being a debate hustler, <laughs> just sort of going around the country challenging the the smartest trivia guy in a bar to a debate for ten dollars. and Like you know, but um, and you know, it's 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 it's, it's Muhammad Ali. It's rope a dope. It's like
1: wow. It's interesting though, because when you when you listen to the way that he's talking about the the foreign buyers slash tax mm. slash levy Are we doing levies for that?
0: Or just Duty. fees. Yeah, look at, the, look at the master at work. Look at him yeah. playing dumb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, he's got everyone fooled. <laughs> but, <laughs> but he keeps
1: talking about those $2 million homes as luxury homes, like they're, like they're only going to be buying luxury homes. But if you live in Auckland, you will know that if you hop on Trade Me, there's so many... Two bedroom apartments that are for sale for over $2 million and they're not even that flash. So it feels like perhaps they're a little bit. Under- Just as a
0: reminder, Annabelle works in TV.
1: <laughs> so maybe they're a little bit underbaked in terms of their lines oh, well, as well, because you're relying on a lot of people yeah. to not know that actually two million dollars does not go a very long way in the in the Auckland housing market.
2: Well, I mean, also there was there, there was uh, on on I think it was I think it was News Hub last night. They had. Uh Someone from Queenstown talking about how the average mm. house price in Queenstown is one point seven million dollars, mm. and obviously that has a gravitational pull. If you all the real estate agents and all the all the vendors find out that they that that it's a two million entry point mm. for foreigners, it's like, well, this the, the price of this property is two million dollars, which has an effect on the rest of the market.
0: Mm. And and I I, I mean, I think with the foreign buyers ban, right. It, it seems clear that they just made a mistake somewhere you know that, that seems to be the inescapable I think the, they the made great, a mistake with great challenges or their calculations the
2: great challenges to go out there and find an economist who can both. Uh, speak approvingly of taking GST off fresh fruit and vegetable and <laughs> <laughs> endorse the calculations of
0: the foreign buyer. And, and and you can tell you know, they don't have an answer for it. You you can see with the um, you know, the legality of the now foreign buyer's fee, since a tax wouldn't be a permissible. Yep. Um They've retrofitted it and gone back and said, well, look, okay, actually, as we originally announced it, it probably wouldn't have flown, but look, you know, as we initially understood it, we didn't do the, the work on the tax treaties, but now we've talked to Robin Oliver and actually we can kind of pretzel-like kind of fit it in. They clearly haven't found a way to sort of go back and redo the calculations on the seven hundred and forty million, and so they're the so they're just well we're just going to bash through. I expect that they probably didn't think it would still be live two weeks later, um, and you probably have to give credit to the media for really you know sticking mm. on that point. Um, and, and they re, you know and and you know this is the thing you know. Unless Luxon has, you know, as my former colleague Matthew Houghton has very uh, has been writing some very very personally <laughs> insulting columns about Luxon, and one of one of the uh, one of his burns is that you know his favorite genre of books is, is self help books, mm. and you know, unless this is something that um, Luxon got from you know Sun Tzu's The Art of War for business, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, he, he he just he doesn't have a good answer for that, and. Mm. I think that what they're probably going to have to do is if the media don't lead up on it, which I don't think they will, you mm. know, all signs point to no for that, is that they will... Um they need to kind of lose it in the fog of war of the prefu, and sort right. of go well. Actually, what's what's five hundred million dollars here and there? Given that the prefu was all fake and kind this, of take this, a this
2: hit, take a hit on it in a way without 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 saying we were wrong. Kind of fudge it out to a way that now with yeah, because it's because it's true, <laughs> yeah. right? Like I yeah. mean, forecast change, and in the end, two billion dollars over four years, absolutely non-trivial, but also. Forecasts shift more than that yep. over over periods or, or, of time,
0: or uh, like have a look at you know that TV three poll, uh, sorry Reed Research News Hub poll, which said you know the more people uh, disapproved of reopening foreign sales to buy uh, sales to foreign buyers, and say oh. Look, this is what the campaign's for: hearing from the electorate. Actually, and,
2: actually funnily and enough, so we're going back enough, down
0: from our highly effective and very doable tax policy. Oh, they did think
2: <laughs> they back down from. Funnily enough, that was a really interesting. So, in polls on the two six pm uh, bulletins last night, both had from their polls earlier in the week a question about the foreign mm, buyers tax.
0: Yeah.
2: I think I have this right in saying one news, uh, very said, "Do you think that there should be?" That they should be allowed to do, it. and no, they, right, and, yeah. and people disapproved of it because the word tax wasn't used. The same question in the news hub was asked, including the word should be with a taxed and that reintroduced. I'm sorry, I'm phrasing this very badly, but the numbers were the other way around, mm. like roughly 55 35. So 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 it's it's not it's not as simple as that. Like people are are into it, and they no doubt had focus grouped or polled it as long as there is a tax incoming, which is why because this is the weird. Place we've been. When this was first introduced, it seemed like that's a smart way of doing it. They were under pressure in advance about whether or not they were going to reopen the door to foreigners buying that's New right. Zealand property. And it's like, ta da! We've got it. We've found a revenue source from it. We've made it seem just like rich people, just like Peter Teals, So ordinary Kiwis um, aren't going to be affected. And it's since then, it's just eroded all the way through. Mm.
1: I like the way you said,
2: very um. Did I? Is that right?
1: I don't know. Is it very in or very un? I don't know. But the way you said it made it sound cool. They
2: but should make it very un I also said, already. I said prefu in an earlier podcast this week. And I got quite a lot of um, criticism for that this from is my pre-foo? colleagues. Instead of saying prefu. Yeah, I think it is prefu. pre Pre election. But then is it, is it, is it bifu or befu when it's the budget one? Because haifu, befu, bifu, prefu. Um, anyway. Speaking of the pre-election fiscal update, does that shift the sands at all, Ben? Does that change the argument? It's kind of it's been played a bit. It was it was it was played by Labour as not as bad as we expected, but it's really like saying um, we're getting kicked in the head but we're not going to get kicked in the head as hard as we expected to get kicked in the head. But well, not
1: like full concussion. Not like just absolutely smashed <laughs> not, and just still kicked like in the head. Not like a on brain injury, yeah. just like <laughs> quite headachy right. f- yeah. for a little while. The thing I find interesting about it is obviously Nationals coming in very strong, very critical, but do they have a little bit of a balancing act? Because if, if the outlook is as terrible as they're positioning it, that you would expect would then limit what they're able to do in terms of tax yeah. cuts and so on. So yeah. I wonder if they are potentially boxing themselves into a corner that um, they're then going to have to, you know, defend with great difficulty.
0: I, I think that that's the so-called the trap that Robertson was trying to set, right? The, the cupboard is bare. It's not just bare this year. It's bare for the next 10 years. You know, don't think you're promising anything, you know. Um, And, yeah, when you talk about uh, the, you know, setting expectations, well, sure, it's better than we expected maybe three weeks ago when Grant Robertson Emergency announced that he was cutting $4 billion Mm -hmm. worth of government spending over the next uh, two years, uh, four years, but it 's significantly worse than the budget, which was presented less than one hundred and twenty days ago yep. um, the, the The operating deficit for this this year alone has blown out by three billion dollars from four months ago there's an extra $6.9 billion of government spending. So basically, as Grant Robertson was rushing this off to the printing presses, promising that there was, you know, they were going to be, the government's going to be living off two-minute noodles and tap water for the next 10 years, he's just racking up the Uber Eats bills right to the last minute. You know, it... It is, it's it is you know, Nicola Willis and National have criticised this, and they're right to. Robertson has not once, as finance minister, met his own allowance for discretionary spending from the previous budget. He has exceeded it every time. And to then sort of say, oh, the books are in okay shape as long as for the next decade, decade we spend less than we have <laughs> every previous year on new initiatives I mean it's just it's fantasy land stuff and so what I, I think the actual effect of the pre is that we kind of know Labour's lying when they say that they'll stick to it we know that National won't be able to stick to it a, 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 as, as set down without strict cuts I think it just sort of de-anchors everything and sort of j- just means we're sort of you know it's, it's all kind of imaginary now well, I think it has the opposite effect to what Labour intended. I think Labour intended mm. it to be a straitjacket and keep keep everyone's promises completely confined. But I think just like a 1950s lunatic in a movie, it's allowed imaginations <laughs> to take flight. <laughs> and, you know.
2: Yeah. I mean, it still does mean that everyone has to go away. You know, David Seymour included has talked about this. Go away and redo their fiscals, you know, and put... put, put so, so I still think it's a net positive and, you know... Uh, uh, that we have it, that it's there that Ruth Richardson gave us the the prefu and the prefu that we can, you know, then mm, oblige sure. the parties to go to the numbers. Um Annabelle, the we talked a bit about New Zealand first, who are um hovering over probably five percent, which we on this podcast have absolutely predicted all the way across the last three years that, that that was likely. Um I don't think you need to go back and check anything to be assured of that.
0: I'm still ruling him out.
2: Um whoa Same. Whoa Thank ruling out a New
0: Zealand first return, it's over.
2: Uh, what do you think? Like four point five? <laughs> is that where you're going?
0: They might even get as high as four point nine. Four point nine. All of their support, so 4. far as, as as far as we can tell, is coming from the left block. It's not it's not coming off National or ACT, which is quite a surprise. And in so so it's not it's not having the desired effect of keeping National or ACT out of government. So I think that all of the sort of the Laborites, the Green voters, who have forsaken their principles to vote to, to indicate their support for a racist uh, conspiracy party uh, in order to try and... Party that sometimes <laughs> appeals to people with those... In, yeah, in, in order to, to try and prevent a National Act government. I think that they will lose heart before the election and either not turn out... What uh,
2: about the people who say, and we had a bit of this in reverse last time, uh, and I agree... I accept that it wouldn't be a large number of people, but there could be a group of people who are Labor voters who see the prospect of a National Act government, you know, arguably the most the most right-wing government since, since, since Ruth Richardson, and say, I'm going to vote New Zealand first to push them up as a handbrake.
0: I think they'll be discouraged if they don't see evidence of that happening. As far as I can remember, the New Zealand First, even over 5%, they've been over 5% in most of the polls at least once, but I think only in the Guardian poll have they held the balance of power yep. in the la- and maybe Roy Morgan in February or something. And and I think if the people who are, who are intending to vote for that reason uh, see that pattern coming up to uh, the election, I think they'll... They will just not bother, not bother voting, or or just go back to voting Labour, because I don't see how you could bring yourself to vote for New Zealand first if you're not going to achieve what you wanted, and you're you're just going to put more sort of Shortland Streeters who believe in the woke mind virus and uh, WHO conspiracies in Parliament.
2: Uh, what about 5.0, 5.1% and then out on specials? That would be good amazing, wouldn't I? I don't imagine he's going to first degree on specials. Anyway, um, more to the point, um, in terms of the wider world of anthropology and so forth, and about Mather. and Nelson, the right honourable Winston Peters, said, Here's the rub if you are Maori. We're not indigenous. We come from Hawaii. It's quite a that's quite I think he said Hawaii iki. Hawaiiki.
1: That's okay. how it was spelled, yeah.
2: Okay. Well I mean Seems like quite a big, big news.
1: Yeah, surprising for someone who's the the former minister for foreign affairs that he doesn't know what indigeneity is. And I, I also think that that's that it's telling because I think it hints at his own confidence about New Zealand first getting back. Because I don't think genu- uh, Winston Peters genuinely believes that Maori aren't indigenous, but I think he's pulling every trick that he can to try and squeeze every drop of support um, out there for New Zealand First by making these sorts of outrageous statements. And people are quick to dismiss it and say, oh, it's just Winston being silly, doesn't mean anything, doesn't have any impact. But actually it does, because for years, Māori have been having their indigeneity denied of them by people like Martin Dutrow and the ones who believe that, you know, ancient Vikings settled yeah, in the Waipo of... Blondies. ...forest and all of that. And it may not seem like it matters, but actually, you know, those are the same characters that rallied around Alan Titford, who, you know, for years made Te Roroa's life an absolute living misery. And actually, the government changed their policy around treaty settlements because of that specific case. So it actually is dangerous talk and it has a very real impact on Maori and it's it's amazing to me that someone like Shane Jones who grew up with the benefits of speaking Maori in a community that rallied around him as a as a as a Rangatahi and fundraised to send him off to to tipine, who had mentors like Maori Marsden and Maturata, you know who got to go to Harvard and and be a young Maori man at Harvard who got to be the the um, the CEO I think it was of Te yeah. ohu Kaimwana, you know, hard fought Maori rights would stand for a party that denies our people our places tangata whenua.
0: Yeah, that's right. I mean, when I was a when I was a younger you know s- stupid teen who you know I think I played Dungeons and Dragons and things like that. And I, I would hear, you know, the kind of Celtic New Zealand kind of conspiracies. And you think, oh, these are kind of, you know, funny, mysterious sort of, sort of alternate histories of New Zealand. And as only only, you know, you realise they're actually connected to a very virulent strain mm. of racist and, you know, actually, I know the, the word's overused these days, but actually neo nazi sort of thought, which is to do with... Um, Trying to undermine the you know undermine indigenous claims with literal fantasies mm. about some pre-European, pre-Maori races of redhead giants who lived in New Zealand, or Phoenicians who visited in their long boats, or whatever. And you know we we see the um, Naitahu, when they were doing their claim were, were bedevilled by this thing called uh, Waitaha, which is you know a, a hapu and were a pre-Ngaio. Uh, iwi who lived in uh, South Island, but and, and became part of who are Nātahu. part of us. Yeah, they became yeah. part of Naitahu. They all mm. merged, um, but then they became. They were by Barry hijacked.
1: Yeah. yeah, hijacked
0: yeah. by these sort of hippie kind of people who who sort of talked up Waitaha as this kind of fairy race who talked to rocks and were different from Maori, and 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 it's all inextricably linked with racist, like very obviously racist, anti-Maori sentiment. Mm. And the fact that Winston, you know, this isn't just an academic thing where he gets to show off his knowledge about Taiwan and the Great Migration. You know, this is appealing to some of the worst elements in society. And it just shows how far the, down the rabbit hole he's willing to go to try and get back to 5%. And it's actually shameful.
1: Kia ora, Ben. Ben. In all seriousness, though, I look at, you know, Winston's statements this week there is you know a senior politician kaumatua. Um, and then I look to you know the Hannah Maipi Clarks and the Tamitha Pauls and the Chloes and I think roll on the next generation because you know if this is the quality of leadership that we're getting from some of our most senior political leaders and man I cannot wait for the next generation to roll through
2: Kia ora, we're done, back soon Quick word, next Wednesday, September 20 We're going to do uh, the world's longest ever podcast It's going to be crazy, it's going to be lots of stuff It's going to be exciting We're going to um, uh, just uh, absolutely gorge on the joy of democracy and, and <laughs> podcasting
0: Yeah. Okay.
2: So. More, more soon on that